award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. It's going to be a fun show today. We are at the Region 3 office in Crossville, Tennessee, and Miss Mimi Barnes is uh, invited us in, and we got a great show for you. Glad to have you, Mimi. It's so fun to do the show, Jason. Glad you're back. Yeah. Have great company with us yes, today. Yes, Luke Haddon, right? That's it. And uh, he's gonna he's our wildlife manager, forester on Katusa. Yep. And we're going to talk about forestry today. Trees and all kinds of fun stuff. Who knew we had foresters? And who knew we had a whole lot of trees? <laughs> <laughs> a so, lot. <laughs> this is going to be a fun show, I can already tell. Uh, so anyway, Luke, I want you to kind of give us a background on yourself. Tell us about yourself, how you got how you started with the agency and what brought you to Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency and, and we'll just get started there. All right. Well, actually, I was born and raised in Vermont. Um, oh, actually wow. was I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I am a Yankee. Um, but uh, I my passion in high school was I was just outside all the time. And I actually got recruited for the track and field team at Wake Forest University over in North Carolina. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I'm glad wow. we had this interview set up. He's fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I threw things, so I'm not that fast. Oh. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so I wound up over at Wake Forest over in North Carolina and uh, was a bio and environmental science major. Oh. And my advisor did wildlife management on the Serengeti. And so, <laughs> wow. yeah. So, got a lot of cool stories and advice from him, and there was one day I, I just went to him and said, you know, I want to do something natural resource related, and being a biology major, you know, it. he basically told me, you know, you could do it here, but it would be tough. Hmm. Uh, so, I looked to transfer, wound up at University of Tennessee, oh. finished my- Go balls. Yeah. Right. So, lots of orange <laughs> in my house. We, uh, but- uh, Basically, wound up there, did my last three years there, was on the track team there as well. Uh, graduated in 2014 with a degree in forest resource management. Got hired on the exact same, well, pretty much the day after I graduated. Uh, I was a wildlife wow. manager once. Hired the day after graduate. Is that's, that dreamier? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's it, dreamy. Uh, it made taking finals pretty tough because I had already interviewed and wow. they called me to say, you know, we're seriously concerning you and basically... My hiring was dependent on me passing all my classes, which mm. that wasn't of concern, but it still put pressure on it. So. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. But, that's, uh, that's great. I mean, what a success story. We, we don't all have that story. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, graduating in 2014, I actually met my wife at UT, hmm. and we were just friends at that point, went separate ways, came back together, and... We're married now, so. But uh, <laughs> and here on the plateau with us. <laughs> that's it. That's fantastic. But uh, so yeah, basically started at North Cumberland WMA up in Campbell County, uh, May of 2014. Did four and a half years up there. Um, I was the wildlife manager one, wildlife forester one, kind of the same position. Mm -hmm. But uh, so start off there. Uh, a position came open over here at Catoosa. It's much flatter. The ground's a little easier <laughs> to walk on. You think uh, Catoosa's flat? Uh. <laughs> Compared to North Cumberland, oh, it is. It is. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so basically wound up over here, just finished up uh, December 27th was a year. So I've got a year wow. and a couple months. Um, so I've got a full cycle of, you know, a full work cycle put in and I love it. I, I seriously could see myself retiring here and wow. wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, we hear that a lot, don't we? Mm -hmm. I mean, so many employees, you get your job, it's your dream job. We've got guys at Catusa that have been there 
let's see. We've got one guy that's been there over 40 years. Wow. So there's a lot of history, a lot of wealth of information. Mm. It's, it's good to be surrounded by guys that have, you know, care about the area and have a rich history of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I always try and impress upon people. We do it because we love it. Right. And our, our goal is never to let it fail. I mean, we love yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I didn't know that yep. about you. <laughs> yeah. So North Cumberland, that's a, that's a big piece of property. Yeah. How does that compare to Catoosa now? What's the differences in acreages there? So North Cumberland's about 189,000 acres. Um, we don't do forest management on all of that. Um, Back in the day when it was just Royal Blue, it was 56,000 acres. So our footprint for uh, forest management is kind of within the original Royal Blue property. Mm -hmm. Um, The Catoosa Forestry Management Program is much older. Mm -hmm. Um, It was actually started in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas North Cumberland, you know, didn't really even become a WMA till mid-90s, I believe. Um, So there's, in terms of forest management, there's a lot more history here. So it was cool to start off in North Cumberland, you know, kind of the birth of management program. Mm. Um, You know, again, forests grow for a long time. So to see (laughs) and be a part of the beginning and then to come into Catoosa, which is, you know, 40, 45 years in the making, it was cool to kind of fast forward and see all that work that I did on the front end to see it halfway through. Wow. Yeah. So you're seeing the completion of your work in a sense on a w, a different WA. Yeah. 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 That's a pretty cool way of looking at it too. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what do you enjoy most? You've touched on a little bit, but what do you really enjoy about the job then? Well, if you ask my wife or my <laughs> boss, I can't sit still for more than about five minutes. So just the fact that I can be outside every day, I'm walking around, I'm mm. I would go crazy if I was at a desk all day. Yeah. And the fact that I can just be outside in the woods. Hands on. Hands on. Yeah. It's just. Very cool. So. Very, very cool. Um, so we talk about forestry. We talk about a forester. What do you do? <laughs> so we know trees, forest, um, get that part of it. But give us a little bit more detail about really the definition of what you do and what yeah. your job is. So essentially any forester, the very if you had them on your private property, if you had them on state forests or agency-owned land, the first question they're going to ask you, what's your management goals? What's your objectives for the property? Because, mm. again, if you're managing for one species, what you do to the forest is completely different mm. than something a different species that need a different type of habitat. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, setting that goals and objectives, which we'll talk about later on, but those goals and objectives are huge for what we do. Mm. Um, So you help people set those objectives or you listen to the objectives and then say, okay, here's your forestry plan. Both. Um, So, so, uh, Tennessee Division of Forestry, TDF, who deals more with the public, they will ask you, what are your goals and objectives? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, when the forest management program was birthed in the 80s, you know, they sat down with area managers, regional biologists, and we got their objectives and then carry out those objectives. Okay. So, mm-hmm. again, and that was one thing that I want to make sure we really stress today is we don't cut, you know, we don't have to cut a certain acreage per year. We're not cutting, we don't have quotas on how much money we need to make. All of what we do uh, is strictly based off of creating wildlife habitat. Yeah, we've said that over and over, and we'll push that to the end. Like, it's not about money. It's about wildlife equals habitat. I say that if you see a post, wildlife equals habitat, because we know without the proper habitat, we're not going to have the wildlife that we're we're interested in having, regardless of what that is. Right. (laughs) And that's not to say that, you know, we need to go convert everything to early successional. But on the flip side, we don't need, you know... Catoosa is 78,000 acres. We don't need 78,000 acres of mature 
closed canopy forest. Yeah. But well, we also don't want 80,000 acres of clear cut either. I mean, right, so that's, we need right. to strike a balance with that. Um, so, so we've touched on this a little bit too, but when you are looking at Catoosa from that forestry management standpoint, what does make it so special? So basically in the 80s, when the, the forest management program got going, they sat down and basically the program started with Cheatham W. Maine over near Nashville mm -hmm. okay. um, and Catoosa. So mm -hmm. foresters were hired there and then mm -hmm. they started carrying out. So again, Cheatham and Catoosa, you know, that was, that was the birth of the forest management program. And the outcome was what wildlife do we want on Cheatham and what right. wildlife do we want on Catoosa? And how can we manage, basically, we are... Obviously, we work for the agency, but we're basically a consulting work unit. You know, so you come to us and you say, you know, we need X, Y, Z, and we say, okay, here's what you need to do to get there. Okay. Um, so, like, but you're also implementing that work. Correct. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we work with those area managers, the regional biologists, to write the plan. Um, so generally, you know, if you were the one of the regional biologists, you come to me and say, you know, I want to manage for species A. Well, we come in, we write a management plan, and then we operationalize that plan. So. How many guys do you have on your crew? Is it Are there multiple foresters that work under you, or is it do you utilize the managers on the property and, and so, technicians? So at North Cumberland, we've got two foresters and one technician. And then at Catoosa, we've got two foresters and one technician as well. Um, and actually, my supervisor, who is the East Tennessee forestry supervisor, mm -hmm. um, is stationed at Catoosa. Okay. So technically, we have three, but there's mm -hmm. two on-the-ground foresters that are out every Not day. Not very many. No, it's a lot of work for a few guys. <laughs> yeah. So we'll Good thing you don't like to sit still. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about the history of Catoosa later on, but it was amazing. When we first got the property in the late 40s, mm. um, students from Swanee actually came out and did a full east to west, north to south inventory of the entire 80,000 acres. So did that help? So I'm looking at some of the questions that we had for you, and one of them is how to determine those management goals. So when you look at that piece of property, I mean, some people automatically know, I want more deer, or I want quail, or I want turkey. And um, um, you have those management goals. Um, did that survey and knowing what wildlife was there help guide the management plan for, for Catoosa? So essentially what happened, and we'll, we'll dive into the history. So, okay. Let's so, hit it. Yeah. All right. so the, the state bought Catoosa in the late 40s. Mm -hmm. um, in the early 50s, that's when the Suwannee students came out and they did that inventory. I actually found a map from 1964 yesterday in our office. That, cool. Uh, it's about this big. And <laughs> so, But it, uh, it's got forest cover types, um, the size of... The tree standing, you know, so a size of the timber, mm -hmm. as well as a stocking. So, you know, you can have a whole bunch of big trees, but if there's not a whole lot per acre, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's colored, and I'm actually going to go and get it laminated today. Oh, so it, cool. it was one of those maps that I found, it was like, this is a gem. Yeah. So, so they came in, they did this inventory. Mm -hmm. And that inventory led from the early 50s through the mid-60s where they basically went through, they identified areas that were heavily stocked forest and they went out and thinned them. Mm. Um, same thing, actually, we have a map laminate currently of the cuts from 1952 through 64. Wow. Um, be great visuals to get for... Yeah. 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 Our website or Facebook. Or and I'm not sure where she was from, but I believe there's a PhD student that did some research on those cuts on Catoosa and, you know, where they were at today and their current health and stocking and mm -hmm. things like that. So she was able to convert a hand-drawn map to a, basically an ARC map, you know, ArcGIS, mm -hmm. use that to put it on 
a current overlay of the area. Wow. So it's cool to go out, you know, you can say, you know, okay, this cut was in 1952 and then go out in the field and actually look at it. So um, what's cool about that is because your work, when you're creating habitat, uh, and I know we'll dive into this a little bit more, but when you're creating habitat, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. It's, it's not like a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's one thing too that I really want to stress is that, you know, we're putting the forest on a hundred year rotation. Cause again, that's about how long it takes for trees to mature and, you know, fully close canopy. Hmm. But you also have to keep in mind that oak trees, you know, the trees that produce acorns, you know, the, the crown jewel for deer hunters, essentially, hmm. you know, acorn production drops after 80 years. Hmm. And on top of that, not every oak tree is a, a great producer of acorns. You know. And it's only a certain time of the year, too. Right. It drops and produces. So, yeah, so so you've got, and some of those red oak acorns will, you know, persist through the, the summer, or into the winter and through into the spring. Okay. But, you know, like this year at Catoosa, you know, and there, there were pockets that were great producers this year. But for the most part, you know, we had a really wet spring, so they had trouble, you know, pollinating. Mm -hmm. And then we got that drought uh, going into, mm -hmm. it was around Labor Day week. Um, so again, so there's a lot of stressors on the, the oak trees this year. Hmm. And so they dropped all their acorns, but believe it or not, deer, turkey, squirrels, they can all tell which acorns are good and which ones are bad. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so we went out in the woods and, you know, we'd see, oh, this tree was a great producer this year. And we'd look on the ground and we'd, we'd scoop them up and we'd do a float test on them. And mm -hmm. again, so good acorns sink because they're dense and they have that, hmm. you know, carbohydrate. And they, good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the bad acorns float because generally there's, there's, it's an underdeveloped embryo is essentially hmm. what it is. Hmm. And all those acorns that were left all floated. So we had post wow. oaks, um, which is a great nutritional, you know, acorn, but thousands of them that were bad. That so never not got usable. Eaten. Correct. Yeah. Would you sink or float, Jason? I'm hoping I'd sink. Uh. <laughs> I think I'd sink. That's great. That's great. I mean, how interesting. So you're a hunter, you're out there in the woods, you're seeing all these acorns still laying on the ground this time of year. It might be a clue. And um, and it was a really hard year. I know throughout Tennessee, um, but here on the plateau too. I mean, last February, we're kind of repeating it this yeah. year. Um, that pattern so far, overwhelmingly wet February um, and spring. And then we went right into a very severe. Yeah, and we had, I know... Out on Catoosa, we had a lot of, you know, food plots that we planted this year that, you know, pretty much our target date, um, our first draw hunt on the area is towards the end of September. So mm -hmm. we, by uh, Labor Day weekend, you know, we want to get 99% of what we're going to put out in the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, that gives it three weeks to green up and look good. Mm -hmm. Well, we put stuff out that it still hasn't even germinated. Wow. Um, we plant purple top turnips out there that, mm -hmm. you know, by now, they should be big and bushy and looking good, and they're still about that big and about that, you know, they're just, it was hard. The conditions, year. it's hard, yeah. yeah. That's the hard part of management for an agency. Um, we catch slack sometimes yeah. for yeah. that, but but we're so dependent on the environment around us. Right. Um, um, so I want to go back to something, because we were talking about that mast. Um, so you've thrown out these terms, static versus dynamic management to us, and then um, we often hear about mast production. Yep. Um, so I don't care which one, but let's talk about those things, um, that static versus dynamic ma management 
and what that means. We've talked about a little bit about how to determine management goals on Catoosa as a forester. So what animals are we looking for on the landscape? What do we want? And we can guess what that is <laughs> as a wildlife agency. Yep. You know, we're looking for those big game, but we, we look at small game too. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but, but let's... Let's start with that and, and help us understand that a little bit better when it comes to forestry. Okay. Um, so actually, I'll take one step back and go back to the management goals and objectives. Yeah. Um, you know, again, our job, you know, set forth by the, you know, the folks in this office and the folks in Nashville, that they want to manage the forest for every species. You know, we're not, you know, we don't want to get hyper-focused on deer or hyper-focused on quail or, you know, or even, you know, a type of woodpecker. We need to manage. And again, it's difficult if not semi-impossible, <laughs> to manage every acre of every WMA for every species. So foresters aren't magic. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. So, and that, that's why we need, a, we're, we're not painting with, you know, a tiny watercolor brush. Mm. We're painting with that six-inch stain brush and mm. we're laying it down. Because mm. um, again, you know, our, we're rotating the forest. Um, my boss has a great term of, We've got, Catoosa is an old folks home when it comes to a forest. You know, we've got a bunch of very over mature timber out there. Which you said aren't, produ once they reach 80 years old, they're right. not producing the acorns that we want them to. And you've got to keep in mind too, that red oaks are susceptible to disease, mm. wind damage, mm. um, weather events after 120 years. White oaks will hold on a little bit longer. But again, you know, so if you've got a forest that's 150, 160 years old, you know, those red oaks are starting to fall out. And, you know, they are, you know, they're producing acorns. It's a nutritional, you know, boost going into the wintertime. But if they're dying out and they're hollow, you know, what, which again, there's, there's species that use that. And that's one thing. But again, you don't want 80,000 acres of hollow red oak trees. Mm. So, and that, that was the one tough thing too. So going back to the history, you know, these thinnings that they went out and did, you know, the forest was overstocked. So there was a lot of large trees per acre. So overstocked meaning that large number of trees per acre, too many. Too many okay. trees. Okay. Um, again, they're all fighting for sunlight. You know, mm. that, that canopy is closed and there's nothing growing on the understory. Mm. So they went in, you know, from 50 to 65-ish and they started doing large-scale thinnings. Um, and I couldn't find any paperwork on what their goals and objectives were. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you the white oak market was probably pretty good because a lot of Catoosa is leftover, you know, large gnarly chestnut oak trees mm. and red oak trees. Mm. But again, you know, those red oak trees probably should have gotten thin back in the 60s, but they had different management goals and objectives. Mm. So. So today. Today, yeah. All of that to say. <laughs> Woo! So today. It's good to know the history though, yeah. right? Yeah. So we are, today, we are trying to manage not every acre, but the area as a whole for all wildlife species. Mm -hmm. um, so again, that's, you know, species that, you know, need that one to two year old clear cut, species that need that 15 year old clear cut, and then all the way up to species that need that closed canopy forest. So again, that's what I'm saying. We, we don't want to, we're not out here to, you know, we're not going to start on the west end of Catoosa with a chainsaw and <laughs> yeah, start lopping it all down. But the different age class, and I'll ask you to help define that, means something. And, and before we got started here, Jason, I know I mentioned it's as if every flower bloomed at the same time. Right. All the pollinators, everything that utilized those would be really happy for that time. And then afterwards, it'd be terrible. <laughs> right. So I wish we had a whiteboard. We could do a little <laughs> math here. Um, 
my wife's a math teacher, so <laughs> we both love math. I geek out about it. But so so we're Good. gonna we're gonna talk about some numbers right now. Okay. So Catoosa, like I said, seventy eight thousand, we'll say eighty thousand acres mm-hmm. just for a nice round number. Mm-hmm. We've got twenty seven compartments that we manage on Catoosa. Um, that twenty seven thousand or twenty seven compartments is actually about twenty seven thousand acres. So again, we're actively managing less than half of the forest on Catoosa. Mm-hmm. So there's a misconception, you know, we're out there, we're cutting every tree down. Mm-hmm. We really manage, you know, whatever 2780 this is yeah. as a percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so 27 compartments, 27,000 acres, that's about 1,000 acres per compartment. Mm-hmm. This is where the math is going to get heavy. <laughs> so like I said. I'm going to keep up. I'm going to keep up. So we've got 1,000 acre compartment. We go in and we harvest, regenerate the forest, take it from that old, you know, I'm not going to say old growth because it's all been cut before, mm-hmm. um, which is another whole nother history lesson. <laughs> but um, we've got mature, closed canopy forest that we're resetting back to year zero of forest mm-hmm. succession. And how important going back to zero is. Right. Um, essentially, you know, it's any population dynamics. You don't want to be heavy on the, you know, older, mature, you know, whatever you want to call it, trees, um, deer population, you know, you want an even, you know, you want that pure, you know, that base pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, back to the numbers. Mm-hmm. So thousand acre compartments, we go in and we regenerate 10% of that compartment every 10 years. Mm. So, so not very much, not very much. <laughs> um, Sometimes you can see it from the road though. <laughs> but, and so, so here's the thing that you've got to keep in mind, you know, think about what, vehicle hauls logs off of any log site Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big truck Mm -hmm. you know you're not going to take it out on a four-wheeler trail if we could get logs out on a four-wheeler trail we would (laughs) but you know if you're going to cut you know and i'll say substantial areas you know 20 to 35 acres Mm -hmm. you know you're going to be hauling it out on tractor trailer Um, which actually a side note so all of the secondary roads on katusa we've got about 75 miles worth Um, if you go out there all the roads that have cables on them were actually laid out and built by the forestry work unit. Hmm. So um, before then, you know, we had the main roads going down the heart of the area, the big wide gravel roads. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you needed access. We needed access to get into these compartments that we manage. Hmm. So we, and actually all of our secondary roads are built to uh, DOT specifications. Mm-hmm. So you're able to get its grade, its turns, mm-hmm. all of that. You can get a tractor trailer truck on every one of our secondary mm-hmm. roads. How, how important that is. You know, you hear 25, 30 acres, and, and for someone that might live on an acre or in a city lot, that sounds like a big number. But when you're talking about 80,000 acres, right. and you want that different age class of woods, it doesn't seem like very much Correct. all of a sudden. So, so again, those numbers, you know, so you're mm-hmm. talking 10% of a thousand acres, you're, you're talking about cutting 100 acres a year, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that, you know, even if you own 25, 30 acres, you know, you look around, you know, you know, this is three times what I own, and they're cutting this. Mm-hmm. But again, you zoom out that hundred acres out of eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. That's yeah. yeah. So again, it's hmm. it looks devastating. Um, one of the best quotes that I had at UT was Dr. Alan Houston out at Ames Plantation. He said that the you know think about any birthing process. <laughs> no birthing process is a pretty thing <laughs> in the very beginning. So, but that's what the birth of a forest is. Yeah. And you know, all the mature forests we have now. We're reset at one time. So. And how important that reset is, you know, I just, um, we hear the statistic over and over again, what uh, young um, 
three to five year old forests or new growth might yep. produce versus that 80 to 100 year old right. forest. Just so much different in production of food for wildlife. Well, you need to keep in mind too, you know, I won't say most, but there's a lot of species that are browsers. You know, they, you know, I always tell kids when I go and do, you know, I&E stuff, you know. Communications and outreach now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, close your eyes and picture your dream forest. You know, most of the time it's Mm -hmm. real big, tall trees. You know, there's a little bit of sunlight filtering through, you know, and you're walking through and you're crunching on the leaves. Well, if you're, if you're any species of wildlife, you know, that needs to eat green stuff, Uh you know. Look down at your feet in your dream. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's no green there. And yeah. so, you know, sometimes we can simply just burn through to burn off that leaf litter and we'll get that flush of growth. But again, it's closed campy forest. Plants need sunlight to grow. So again, that's, you know, that's why on some of these static projects that we'll talk about, you know, we go in and, and we'll thin and we'll burn and we're taking a snapshot of succession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're holding it in that three to five year growth range mm. and not laying it advance to mature forest because, like you said, that three to five year is that window that's so vital for everything. Um, so really quickly, what is mast and the difference between, you just touched on it, but what's the difference between, what is mast and what's the difference between hard and soft mast? Okay, so hard mast, acorns, hickories, you know, that, that hard nut that wildlife eat. Mm-hmm. Um, our main driving factor for the uh, forestry management program, again set forth in the 80s, was to reproduce an oak hickory forest. So hard mast for us is the Mac Daddy, it's the king of what we're managing <laughs> for. Um, soft mast is, I hate to say it's kind of like the candy, but you know, think about persimmons and crab apples. Um, even holly trees, you know, again, that, that's that soft fruit. Um, it's not going to last as long. You know, I've got a persimmon in my yard that mm. it seems like every time that I mow, I mean, it, I'm just shooting out persimmon <laughs> mist everywhere. <laughs> but I have deer like crazy. Yeah. Mm. But right now that there's no persimmons on the ground, you know, because they're gone already. Mm. Short I don't, I don't have any deer, mm. you know. So it's, it's again, that, that soft mass is nutritious and it's great for them to have. It's that quick burst of energy. Mm. But... It's not a sustained like the red oaks are, um, you know, those acorns that last forever through the, the winter and into the spring. So that's good to know. When we look at that um, and we talk about static versus dynamic management, I want to get back to that because those yeah. are terms, you throw those terms out all the time, but in a nutshell, what's static versus dynamic management? So again, dynamic, we're recycling that forest. We're taking that the old folks home worth <laughs> of the forest and resetting it back to the, the newborn babies. Okay. Um, so again, we need that, you know, that pyramid and, you know, getting that forest recycled. Static management, um, again, we're taking that snapshot, that three to five year window, letting it grow up and then using prescribed fire to knock it back down. So again, it's keeping that flush of new growth. It's burning off the old, letting that new flush of green come up. Cool. Man, there's so much to <laughs> tell. You got to come back. I, I hope I can because I, I, I think, think we got through half of my shows. Two with Luke will be on the property maybe. That'd be we great. That. We'd love yeah. to come up and visit you there. <laughs> We've got 2,600 acres slotted to burn on the savannah this year so we'll be there it'll be a great video yeah Uh, it's been great thanks for having us thanks for being a part of this and yeah thanks for having folks know about it a wealth of knowledge great knowledge Um, if folks have questions they can reach out call the region three office we'll get you in touch and i encourage again these conversations are difficult to have because again forest management is kind of a hot button topic but you know 
if you get drawn on a quota hunt or you're out on the turkey hunt in April, you know, stop by our office. I encourage you to come talk to us. We'll awesome. ride around and we'll look at stuff. And cool. Awesome. So. Ride around. Thanks Sounds for like being fun. here. Thank you for what you yeah. do. Thanks for being willing to come on and share your great knowledge. Yeah. We appreciate we so. appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Thank you all both. Thank you all for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.